welcome to Old Fashioned Finance, the podcast that mixes cocktails and high finance. I'm your host, Caleb Frankert, and I'm joined by my good friend and fellow money muddler, Jason Burnell. Caleb, can a podcast about finance be entertaining? Not without alcohol. All right, let's mix it up. Okay. Yeah. I did mix it up. You did mix it up. I did. Yeah. Today. Very red. It is. I don't know. I'm nervous, though. We're trying... uh, video at this point so if you're just listening traditionally like you would to a podcast mm-hmm. you're gonna probably hear us referencing video stuff for yeah. the first time in a yeah, while and if, you, if you've been like listening to us and you go watch the youtube you might you're be, gonna you be might, disappointed yeah i'm sorry <laughs> <laughs> this we'll, is, we'll see this is our god-given we'll, gifts right here That's we'll all see we got. if this cut makes it to the youtube oh well, we'll so see. today jason we are drinking Oh, you had a prop. You didn't tell me about that. We have video now, oh, I yeah. think. Yeah. 100-year-old cigar. Ooh, I hope that's this about is 100, not 100 years, years old. <laughs> that'd be that might ooh. That's yeah. probably we, a $2 cigar. <laughs> <laughs> well, anyway. I've been, you know, I mean, we like to smoke pipes, so yeah. uh, and cigars on occasion. And cigars and I haven't smoked very much, so You know, I've never drank a cigar. So today's going to be interesting ooh, because we nice. are drinking our cocktail today is called the 100-year-old cigar. Yeah. Okay, I'm nervous. I mean, so, I see I see these ingredients. I mean, there's a, you yep. got like those at least two of these that make you cringe a little bit. Really cringy for me. I get it. So, but you know what? There's at least two that I like a lot, and one that I'm kind of just you know neutral on. So. Yeah. Well, we'll see. Maybe it's going to be really neutral, and we won't taste anything. I'm trying to be optimistic. Well, <laughs> that's good. That's good for the sake of the podcast. Yeah, that's true. Who knows? You might find a new favorite drink, Jason. Well, I hope so. Hundred-year-old so. cigar. What we've got going on here is a lot. Okay, so I'm going to start from the top. Our main in- ingredient here is rum, okay. aged rum. I'm good there. And a, a good client and friend of ours, mm-hmm. Mr. Larry, brought us this Captain Morgan private stock, which I'm, is excellent. It is very good. Yeah. I know you're a big rum guy. Yeah. I'm not a rum aficionado, but I really like this one. I could yep. sip on this on a cold winter day. Absolutely. So we've got one and three quarters ounces of aged rum. We've got next, this is one that makes you cringe a little bit, a half an ounce of bitter aperitif liqueur. Ugh. Nothing more bitter than Campari, right? Yikes. Okay, so we're going with Campari in yeah. this one. Your mileage may vary. You could You could use other bitter liqueurs if you wanted to. Yeah, I mean, Campari is really I, In my popular. opinion, when you hear bitter aperitif, I'm going, well, yeah, Campari. <laughs> okay, so next we've got a half an ounce of Benedictine. Okay, Ooh, That's a win for Put me Put that right in there. the win column. Yeah, I like that. Really a big fan of Benedictine. I'm buying that one. All right, we're buying and selling <laughs> these ingredients. All right, well, it'll be interesting to hear what you say about this one. The next is a quarter ounce of PD scotch. Yeah, I mean, I like scotch uh, on occasion. Yeah. So. I, you know, when I got into drinking whiskey, it was scotch. And sure. I think that's the case for a lot of folks. Yeah. Um, but what's interesting is as you kind of, I guess as you, you get into collecting and buying, mm-hmm. uh, scotch is really expensive. It is really expensive. And you know where it's made, Scotland? Yeah. The temperature, the climate is much different than here yeah. in the United States. For sure. So the way it ages in the barrel, the product is a lot different than, say, Kentucky bourbon. Right. You know, we're we're Northwest Ohio. Our climate is crazy. The, right. the swings that we have, I, we had almost a seventy degree temperature swing in the course of a week uh, last week. So that'll do something with the the liquor aging in the barrel. Right. So this is a Delwini, right? 
I believe so. I think that's how you say it. Yep. And I don't know how peaty it is, but it, it does call for a peaty scotch to give you that kind of smoky it's, flavor. I think since we drink bourbon so often, it's going to taste peaty. Yeah, no matter most what. Likely. So yeah, so I. You're still not done. There's, since, yes, there's but more to come. I guess the last thing I was going to say on the whiskey is since getting into whiskey, you a lot more bang for your buck when it comes to bourbon. Oh, and definitely. in my opinion, a lot yeah. more flavors. It's a more enjoyable experiment. But, you, but using this as a condiment cock, or a, a condiment to a cocktail, sure. I, we'll I don't know. We, we did a, what was that called? It was a Manhattan version. Rob Roy. Yes. Remember the Rob Roy? Right. Yeah, I do. That yeah. was pretty enjoyable. Yeah. So Yeah, it's hard to get a bottle, a good bottle of scotch under 35 bucks. Oh, yeah. And yeah. you can get a good bottle of bourbon under 35 bucks. Absolutely. So. Although it's getting harder. It is. Okay, so uh, the next thing that we have is a quarter of an ounce of absinthe. Wow. This is where you told... I like jump off the cliff on this one right here. <laughs> you know... That was a lot. I saw you mixing it. It seemed up. like a lot when I poured it in. Yeah, um, I can smell it. So uh, yeah. I, I know this is going to be interesting. So a bell jigger, it's kind of hard to really, yeah. uh, whenever you're pouring it in, you're like, that feels like a lot more than a, a quarter of an ounce, but we shall see. We shall see. And then the last ingredient is a dash of Angostura bitters, which I love if you're a Manhattan right, exactly. fan. Old fashioned fan, you love it. Jason, let's give it a shot. I hope this is magic somehow. Okay, like <laughs> cheers. Here we go. Huh. There is a lot going on there. Like five things. <laughs> wow. Okay. So you I definitely... Don't I don't hate it. I, I don't either. The absinthe sticks out. Yeah, but it's not like punching you in the face so like you it usually does. Yeah, the thing with absinthe, for, for me, it's the smell when I go in to yeah, sip this. Yeah. And smell has a lot to do with your, your taste. Yeah, but I, I don't know, man. That is... that. So I'm really, I, I'm surprised. I wanted to be surprised. I, I think the other ingredients, and maybe the Campari is really helping to offset that aftertaste that you get with uh, absinthe. I don't notice it quite as much. Not bitter at all. No, there's a lot going on there. So I'm going to say the rum and the Benedictine is are putting that sweetness hmm. back into the bitter. I kind of like that. Yeah. Wow. You know, I take the second second taste. A lot of times is where you really get what's right. going on in it. And uh, I just went in for a second taste. The uh, I wish I didn't know what was in it. Yeah. Okay. Oh, like, yeah. That honestly, would be interesting. that would have been really interesting because I wouldn't have guessed. Absinthe, obviously, you know, mm-hmm. lucid here. But Campari, I would not have guessed. No. I, I didn't taste the Benedictine on the first sip, no, but I there. definitely it's, got it big time the yeah. second time around. No. Um, the, so this is kind of an expensive drink if you don't have this stuff laying around. So it might yeah. be one you order in a restaurant or something like that. Yeah, if, they have if they've got it. Hey, if you go into a speakeasy or a bar and you order a 100-year-old cigar and they go, yeah, coming right up. You're you, probably in a good spot. <laughs> yeah, might be a good place. I don't hate that at all. It's very drying yeah. on your palate. So I would, I mean, we're using Campari. It's an aperitif. Yeah. A kind of an appetite stimulator. I, I would call this a before-dinner drink. Definitely. Now, yeah. this is not, although it is pretty sweet. I think that's the rum playing into this. So mm-hmm. the rum and the Benedictine are offsetting all the bitter. I don't hardly taste scotch at all. No. I mean, it's a quarter of an ounce. It's kind of so. on that There's as much martini, stuff. Manhattan-y kind of drink, kind of, you know, it's not the same flavor, but, you know, it hides a lot of the t- the flavors of the other yeah. liquors that are in there. So. You definitely taste the absinthe. Oh, yeah. Definitely. Absinthe and scotch are equal parts in this drink, so that's interesting. Interesting. I, I would say this is a winner, though. I'm not turning this drink away. Now, I'm probably not making it when I get home from work. I don't know. Depend, depends Maybe. on the day, I guess. I, I think it's pretty interesting. Here's the deal. Maybe it's the name, but it this 
tastes like it would go really, really well with a good cigar. Oh, uh, well. Maybe well, a hundred Let's get a cigar. cigar. <laughs> so, cool. Uh, hey, I, yeah, I, I like it. It's not my favorite drink in the world, but it is kind of in that Manhattan territory. Yeah. Without the vermouth. I don't know. Pretty interesting. There's a lot going on here. If you have the ingredients laying around, you try should it try it. Yeah, for sure. All right. Well, this is a finance podcast. We say that a lot, don't we? (laughs) So let's get into the finance topic a little bit, Jason. In continuation with our last couple of episodes, which have been about uh, New Year's resolutions that you can keep, last week we really got into the practicality and and steps, how to set up a budget. Mm -hmm. Remember we did the 10-minute budget? Yep. We did the little experiment that I had with my wife and our budget, Yep. and it was a successful exercise, I think. Hopefully you tried that out. But it brings us to the next logical conclusion. When you get together and you list out all of your incoming and then your outgoing, well, where's the leftover go, right? Right, absolutely. Or, you know, if we say we save in our budget somewhere, what yeah. are we doing? Where's it going? That? Yeah. And, you know, just having boundaries simply when you have a budget is like pretty difficult. A lot of times, savers, we have clients and friends that'll come in and they, they're really good savers and they just keep piling cash up in savings accounts. Mm -hmm. And so, yeah, I mean, I think that we're kind of getting into, I'm going to say like the logistics of saving a little bit more here. Yeah. And we've talked about, you know, like different places to put the money when you're saving all of that stuff. But this is, this is a lot different. The, the logistics, where to set the boundary to know that you're like not overdoing it yeah. or underdoing it really. Also to make sure that your that extra doesn't go to just Taco Bell. Yeah. I mean <laughs> or hundred year old cigars. Yeah, yeah. Yeah, exactly. That that could happen pretty easily. Exactly. So. Exactly. Yeah. Don't go out and buy these five bottles. You know? <laughs> yeah. <laughs> yeah. That would be after the the death snowball babies maybe consult Dave. Not yeah. I guess not all the way. Not but. all the way, but still. So uh the scope of this episode, though, Jason, mm-hmm. uh, let's get into a little bit about where we're going to be looking at saving. So this is not the episode where we talk about which retirement accounts to right, plug into right. and all that kind of stuff. That That's more of a, this is where you're in the step in the order of savings where you're putting money away for emergency funds. And then the next step, which would be some of your predictable expenses, like right. you say, Christmas is December 25th every, every year, year, right? <laughs> Tires only go so far before you have to replace them. Yeah, don't Roofs get ticked off when so you long. go to the license plate bureau. You know, yeah, it ticks you off. So this is for it happens every year. Socking money away for those emergency funds, right? For those planned expenses and the planned emergencies, <laughs> right? Exactly. <laughs> In which a nutshell, they happen all the time. So let's talk a little bit about how how to calculate first. I think it's really important because if you if you don't have an emergency fund, that's priority number one. Yeah. So I mean, for me, it's that that little baby emergency fund to start, it's just critical. The number of emergencies that folks have when they come in that are like a thousand bucks or less, it's unbelievable. It's usually like, you know, I need to have a hot water heater put in or washer and dryer repair or something like that. Mm -hmm. Blue attire, you know, most often with your, with your cash flow coming in and your baby emergency fund, you can cover that. But this is, we're kind of going one step beyond beyond this is like the first step right yeah exactly so a thousand dollar emergency fund we tell everybody even no no matter how aggressive you want to get this year and the new year with your resolution on paying off debt first thing you got to do is have a thousand dollars you got to have some cash don't turn to the credit card in other words i don't care what the interest rate is and how many times do we talk to folks who say well my emergency fund is my home equity loan or my credit card or you just don't do that i understand it's there but just the the mentality of it you're going to rack up more debt 
Um, (laughs) So the emergency fund at $1,000 doesn't sound like much because it's not. It should hurt when you have to dip into that. Absolutely. And your first priority should be to replace that. And then as you're knocking out debts and things like that, you want to look at what is a healthy emergency fund, right? Not just that baby emergency fund that's a must have. Right. So let's get into ways to calculate that emergency fund because this is the above and beyond. More than the thousand dollars, like dire emergency fund. Right, exactly. You know, there's a lot of uh, methodology. There's a lot of there's a lot of opinions out there as far as how much you should have in your emergency fund, Jason. So, so for me, this is like springboarding off of our last episode. Absolutely. Which is, okay, I've got this spending plan. Now I know budget. I know what I need on a month to month basis. Mm-hmm. Let's say I'm just going to pick a number. It's it's thirty five hundred dollars a month. Okay, it's probably low, but it's $3,500 a month. I know. But doing your budget like you did last week Mm -hmm. will help you identify that pretty. Absolutely. And that's why, you know, we're building into this is saying, now I know what my expenses are. I like to take my my expenses, not the like the fluffy stuff, the entertainment. Mm -hmm. I like to take the real expenses that I need. What it takes to keep the lights on. Yep. Yep. Keeps the lights on. Come heck or high water. I need that money. Okay. Okay. And I like to multiply that by six. Okay. And that's six months, I would assume. Six months. I usually can adjust quick enough. If I have a real emergency, I'm unable to work, you know, something really tragic happens, I can adjust quickly where I'm able to live off of the absolutes, mm-hmm. okay, and usually solve the problem within six months. And that's what I've seen in practice here, too. I mean, most, I would say, quote unquote, real emergencies don't last six months. Mm-hmm. It's usually... It's not an emergency anymore. Yeah, we're some, where you have some cash flow coming in as a result of whatever, and life might change, mm-hmm. but you know things like disability will kick in if it's a real long-term thing, or you're just back to normal after a couple or, months. Or uh, your health insurance uh, deductibles, your max out of pocket yeah, exactly. have been met, that kind of thing. Exactly. Yeah. So where you get to the point where you kind of establish what the new budget's going to look like because mm-hmm. you had a real emergency. So I like to use six months. I think okay. that's safe. So it's interesting because you went right to the six months of what it takes to keep the lights on. And you know we hear a lot of different, we hear three to six months of income. We hear three to six months of expenses. And when I say three to six, I mean, some folks come in and say, I hear you're supposed to have three months worth of income piled up or three months worth of expenses, you know, vice versa, six months of income or expenses. I guess the way that I kind of help clients get through this typically is, are we dealing with a one or a two income household? Right. And if you think about it, if you're a one income household, I'm going to lean more towards that six months, right? Mm-hmm. Whether it's income yeah. or expenses, because if you lose a job, right, right, that that's a lot more dire. It's a lot harder to have two people going out looking for a job or, you know. Right, exactly. Like the economy really gets rough and you have two layoffs. Yeah, I mean, I get the income number. I get nervous because a lot of my clients that are conservative, they'll just pile up too much cash. Yeah, with no no purpose. Mm -hmm. And so, you know, I like when I think about the expense side, you know, I know it's kind of, it kind of just like checks a significant emotional box for me, you know, where it's like, I know that we're going to just be okay, regardless of how many incomes we have. So I think with someone uh, or a household that has two incomes, mm-hmm. I'm okay with leaning a little bit more towards three. Uh, so I'm conservative. Right. I guess in a, in a vacuum, in a bubble, what I would say is somewhere closer to six months of income right. would be where I want an emergency fund to be. If you've got 
six months worth of expenses, I'm mm-hmm. okay with that too. Right. But a two income household closer to three months, I'm also all right with that. The chances of two people losing jobs and, and all of a sudden there's no income coming in, you know, that, that chance becomes a little bit harder. So I generally will say, let's shoot within that three mm-hmm. to six. Okay. So we have to get the three months. Yeah, absolutely. We have to get the three months. Yeah. And I mean, a lot of my clients, so, you know, they're, we're also trying to encourage folks to get out of debt. Mm-hmm. And so those expenses on a month to month basis do start to go down significantly. I mean, if you don't have a $800 car payment mm-hmm. anymore, yeah, that's a big deal. So I always like to, to kind of give an asterisk to the six month expense number. Okay. And it really kind of leads into one of our other topics that we love, which is the sinking fund. Yeah. Because it is another pile of money. So I I wonder if we're going the same direction. I think we probably are. Because what I would generally say, what I would say is you you have to get the three months set up, right? Mm Mm-hmm. And then that buffer between three and six months, well, do we need that all sitting in a money market account that's earning nothing? Or, and by the way, this is generally... depending on how aggressive you are, you may be paying off and just putting all your extra money towards debt before even getting past that $1,000 emergency Right, absolutely. And and I'm not saying that that's always necessarily the case. But in conjunction with paying off debt, remember, we're going to try to pile up some cash. I'm going to recommend that Mm -hmm. uh, because an emergency just puts you back in debt typically. But I say from the three to six months, it's still savings, this yeah. is where you start to funnel money in. Is this where you were going? Yeah. Into the next segment, which is, we've talked about it before. The sinking fund. The yeah. Sinking fund. So the sinking yep. fund is, again, where we're going to fund things like the new car purchase, vacations. You know, if you have a real emergency, right, you're not going on vacation. All right. <laughs> Maybe you are. What if my emergency is I need a vacation? <laughs> we need to talk about priorities here a little bit. No, I mean, you, you probably aren't if you have a real emergency. So in that case, you know, you might pull money from your sinking fund to really take care of that emergency that you're yeah. experiencing. And so and some people's sinking funds get significant. Mm-hmm. Okay. Well, it depends on what you're, if it's a a new car savings, right. right? That can build up to thirty, forty thousand dollars. Easy. That, that's a pretty significant extra savings account. Exactly. Yeah. And again, if it's not, you know, right on the edge of being spent, then you know, always you can you can always pull from there. Mm-hmm. So I always kind of keep that in the back of my mind as well, especially as folks' expenses come down as they get out of debt. I mean, it just so, makes sense. So I don't mean to interrupt your train of thought here, but for someone who's maybe new to our show and mm-hmm. hasn't listened before, uh, or maybe this video ends up finding its way to YouTube and this is their first exposure, <laughs> first of all, we're sorry. Uh, of Lee. We actually are good people. <laughs> we, we throw around that term sinking fund. Uh, part of my experiment with my wife, we started talking about, well, what next? Right. And I said, sinking fund. And she's like, that sounds really confusing. Jason, you talk about sinking funds all the time in a nutshell, explain the concept of a sinking fund. What exactly is that? Yeah. So I think the best way, and you actually said like restricted funds accounting, Mm -hmm. that sounds really fancy, right? Sure does. So basically uh, to describe it, we're just going to create buckets for expenses that we know are coming down the pike. Okay. Okay. I'm going to use Christmas. It just was Christmas not that long ago. You know, Christmas is the 25th of December in 2023 as well. You can create a bucket. I checked the calendar. It is this year. Okay. We're good. You can create a bucket of money specifically for Christmas. Take what you spent last year, add 10% to it. (laughs) Okay. 
divide May, by maybe. 12. <laughs> right? Maybe. Okay, 20%. Divide <laughs> by 12 and save that on a month-to-month basis. Or maybe take what you spent last year and cut it by 25%. Yeah, probably not going to happen. <laughs> Depending. When you look at your budget, uh, you might be surprised. Yeah, but, but again, like that is a really good example. You but just, you're going to create buckets of money for all of those things. So, sounded like Frank Shirley there. I know. Take what you got last year, add... Exactly. 20%. <laughs> great. Oh, great movie. That. Oh, yeah. So, <laughs> so imagine doing that for all your expenses that you know that are coming down mm-hmm. the pike. Vacation, cars, <laughs> license plates. I always pick on that one. Uh, property taxes, insurance. Yeah. Those kinds of things. You're going to come up with a number. And on a monthly basis, you need to save 750 bucks to cover those expenses. I'm just picking a number. Mm-hmm. So you know when that expense comes along, you have a fund to pull it from, yeah. okay? But I think what we were talking about this, and you know, it's it's quite interesting to me that this doesn't exist yet. I think in some folks' minds, it would almost be better if each bucket that they were saving for was a separate bank account. Yes, this is exactly where the conversation with my wife uh, during our little budgeting experiment went. Yeah, so I'm not saying that you should do it with every single thing, but maybe the I big ones. I think it depends on your personality type, it, right? It really does. But if I'm able to separate, let's say I have an account that's like my new car fund, mm-hmm. that makes sense, mm-hmm. right? Put that aside. That's probably going to get bigger faster and it's going to sit there a little bit longer. Now my, you know, again, my... And by <laughs> the way, if... <laughs> <laughs> I almost I laugh at, at the idea that I'm going to say this. Now, if if a new car purchase is five years down the road, you might even look at putting some of it into a CD for a little. Wow. I, I, Whoa. I thought you were a reformed banker. Ooh, I'm just saying <laughs> uh, it maybe makes sense at this point. Well, uh, rates, depending on interest rates, rates are, are a lot higher. So, yeah. It, so you so, might be separating that anyway. Absolutely. Right? Yeah. Yeah. So, again... I, I've seen this done a ton of ways. Honestly, the most effective way is the manual way that I've seen using like an Excel spreadsheet. Okay. Okay. So, well, let me clarify because when my wife and I talked about this, she goes, well, oh, wait, I kind of do have a sinking fund for vacation. I said, Mm -hmm. yeah, you do. I log into our online banking and I see a vacation fund. Yeah. Which is a separate account, right? Exactly. It's a separate savings account. So when I log in, I see how close we are to taking a vacation and what kind of vacation we're going to (laughs) take. So We're not doing Disney again, dang it. (laughs) For her, if we can do it for what we did last time, we we may just do that. But, (laughs) you know, for her, she's going, oh, that's a sinking fund. I'm already doing it. Yes. It's not something that's super complicated that like... When I heard the term sinking fund for the first time, I thought this is something like fancy hedge funds do. It, it yeah. just sounds like something. It's not. It's not. It's easy. It's um, actually the accounting system your grandma would have used. Right. I mean, it just is. It's and it's like envelopes. Yeah, really. It's like envelopes. Uh, so there, that's another way of doing a sinking fund. If you're Absolutely. dealing with cash, envelopes. I think just listing the things that you want to save for on a monthly basis. And let's say it's 750. I got 12 different pl- spots. I need to save... $110 a month for XYZ. I'm going to put that on my little spreadsheet in that account. Okay. Mm-hmm. And just separate the sinking fund money on a month to month basis. So, like you said, it's as easy as taking how much time you have before that goal, mm-hmm. before that event occurs. Yep. Okay. So, something like down payment for a house Perfect. or a car. You know, there, there's going to be some, it's going to be subjective, right? It's not going to be like, well, in 36 months, I have to have this. Well, there's a little bit of leeway, but Christmas, 
Christmas is 12 months away. I'm 12 months away. So, Take you know, what you, you spent at you, you 20% got divided, divided by 12. that out. <laughs> and whether you do separate accounts, whether you do envelopes, whether it's on your spreadsheet and you're just mm-hmm. allocating money that's already in the savings account and giving it a name, then you put your monthly obligations in there. Now, here's the biggest pushback I get. When I list all these goals and yep. all these different things I'm going to do, it's yep. it's overwhelming yep and i couldn't possibly save all that money so what do we do we just don't do any of it yeah and that's baloney because you're going to spend it anyway start with your highest priority right so you know if a car in the next couple of years we keep going back to that one so so at least you might not be able to hit all of those goals but at least some of that goes towards a new car purchase versus a double steak grilled cheese burrito right yeah you don't need to put a roll of stamps in your sinking fund as a thing you need to save up for the next time Mm -hmm. okay I mean, there are some accounting types that might do that, but it's not necessary. Don't get yourself overwhelmed. It's the things that are going to occur and that will, I, you know, this is emotional. Yes. You write a check for like 1500 bucks for insurance and you get emotional, right? I, I do, had some car repairs in December. Oh, right yes, before you did. Christmas. They were <laughs> now I will say these were unexpected car repairs. You said and, so many uh, angry things. <laughs> I was not a happy camper you were not. the week before Christmas you coming into the threw office. Like a five year old tantrum like right before Christmas. It's a bunch of crap. <laughs> <laughs> All right. So I, I think like anything with this, this it's a new year. We have new goals. We're gonna stumble. We're not gonna be able to do this all a hundred percent. Don't take that as a sign of defeat and not being able to accomplish our goals. I think what we need to do there is prioritize and at least do some of it. Exactly. Create the right behaviors, create the right habits, and doing something is better than doing nothing at all, which is what ends up happening is doing nothing. And then again, Taco Bell gets all my money. Exactly. Exactly. I, I keep saying that. When do you think Taco Bell is going to sponsor this podcast? <laughs> Hopefully soon. I could use one of those we, double We need to steak. monetize this thing. <laughs> <laughs> yeah. Unlimited Taco Bell for life. We would be... Put it up right on the screen yeah, there. Now that we're doing... Um, now that we're doing like video we'll have to get the wide angle lenses out i think <laughs> now i think another really important concept that we we discovered this in the business here and it's really really good and the concept is called divvy like you're divvying up your money clever I, it's not really it doesn't seem to be available for the individual i think it's probably coming but it kind of takes the credit card concept and flips it upside down you are like setting budgets and limits for specific things. Mm-hmm. So like you could, and you're like, again, we use this as a savings thing here, but you could seriously say like, I'm only going to spend X dollars on insurance or out to eat, or it's kind of like an, a digital envelope system. It's very fascinating. I did find one and guess who's developing this for an individual? Mr. Dave Ramsey himself. Is he really? It's called the Gazelle debit card. All right. I was going to say it's not a credit card. No. And I'm very fascinated by this because I think it's the same concept. Yeah. It's just boundaries are so important in any spending plan, any emergency savings, anything. So we use it here at work for different projects. The podcast is a project. We have a budget. I have the card. And so, you know, if $180, (laughs) I just did the math in my head, is in the budget for the cocktail of the week then you use what's in your budget. If not, you kick that off and you probably do a Kentucky coffee, <laughs> right? And it literally will decline the card. Yeah. I mean, it's kind of a, a pretty strict budget. It's just budget. more self-imposed discipline, which we could all use a little bit. Exactly. Of when you're sitting down and in your right mind, maybe having you know a 100-year-old cigar as a cocktail, you're going to be able to set those limits a lot easier than when you're at the store and you're impulse buying mm-hmm. Taco Bell. <laughs> 
the store. <laughs> or the local liquor store got a shipment of Weller antique. You, whatever the excuse to go up there and spend my money is. And we don't even always buy bourbon. <laughs> All right, Jason. Well, I think this was a really good concept. Uh, Hopefully this is helpful for you out there listening, but it's time to close out the tab. So thank you for having a drink with us this week, folks. It is time to close out that tab. If you have a question or topic you want addressed on the Old Fashioned Finance Podcast, be sure to email us at podcast at bluejfg.com. We'd love to hear from you. Don't forget to share the show with someone you love or just someone who needs a little money muddling themselves. You can stay up to date with the latest action by following us on Facebook. Old Fashioned Finance is brought to you by Blue Jay Financial Group. That's bluejfg.com and produced by Pottery Studios. We've been your hosts, Caleb and Jason. Cheers. Cheers. Blue Jay Financial Group, LLC. Blue Jay is a registered investment advisor registered with the state of Ohio. Registration does not imply a certain level of skill or training. The presence of this advertisement on this podcast shall not be directly or indirectly interpreted as a solicitation of investment advisory services to persons of another jurisdiction unless otherwise permitted by statute. Follow-up or individualized responses to a consumer in a particular state by Blue Jay and the rendering of personalized investment advice for compensation shall not be made without first complying with jurisdiction requirements or pursuant an applicable state exemption. All verbal and written consent on this presentation is for information purposes only. Opinions expressed herein are solely those of Blue Jay unless other otherwise specifically cited. Material presented is believed to be from reliable sources, and no representations are made by our firm as to other parties' informational accuracy or completeness. All information or ideas provided should be discussed in detail with an advisor, accountant, or legal counsel prior to implementation.